Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Juggling Act. This is your host, Catherine, and I'm here today with the guest speaker. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to start off with introducing her. Her name is Melina Rodriguez. I'm going to let her talk about herself and let you know what's going to happen today on this wonderful podcast that we got going on. Hi, everybody. My name is Melina. Um, first off, Kathy, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's no an problem. honor. My first time on a podcast, so I'm excited. <laughs> So a little bit about myself. First off, I am a speech language pathologist. Um, I was born in Queens, New York, moved to Florida when I was nine years old. And ever since then, I've been living down here. I did my undergrad and grad school at Florida International University, go Panthers. And I've been, a, I've been an SLP for five years now. Right now, I am currently working with the early intervention, preschool and elementary school population. I work at a charter elementary school in Miami, which is called United Community Options, Early Beginnings Academy. And there I service kids between birth to second grade. And then I also work at a private clinic in Hollywood called Specialized Speech Center. And additionally, I have my own private business called the Speechy Center, which I'm currently only taking private clients as of now until I get credentialed with the insurances. That's so great to hear. Once again, thank you for coming into this podcast today. I'm so grateful that I was able to meet you through my brother. Um, yeah. I remember when I met you at the barbecue and brother was like, you'll like her, you know, you'll like her a lot. I know you, I know you're picky <laughs> and I know you don't like talking to people, but you're like her. Of yes, course. I remember that day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, of course, she interacted with Zayden and my heart melted. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> someone that understands him. <laughs> and yep, so I remember he yep, was really it, into my glasses. You remember yep. I had glasses on? Yep, I remember. And mm -hmm. since that day, I was like, OK, um, from that day on, I always mentioned to Ricky, like whenever I have the opportunity for Zayden to go to her, I'm going to make her go to her. And sure enough, over the summertime, I use Melina as his private speech therapist because we do go down south and visit my family. So she does speech therapy with Zayden during that time. And um, Ricky and my mom was watching him at the time and they said she did such a great job. She was so thorough and like, she's just so good. So that's why I had to have you on my podcast. I was like, there's no and ifs or buts. Like that's yeah. once I opened my podcast, I already had you on my list to interview you. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just hope she says yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. So I'm just going to like tackle some questions that I know that the community usually has either people that have wrote me or people I've talked to in the past, um, moms that always ask me, hey, you know, can you guide me through this and et cetera. I'm not a speech and language pathologist, but I always try to get good and credible information from other people. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this will really help other people out because I feel like um, the community sometimes when you start off without without even getting a diagnosis of autism or a developmental delay or speech delay, you're lost as a parent. You just keep on thinking to yourself, okay, what could I have done different? And you sit there and keep on thinking what could you have done different instead of tackling what could you do now? Mm -hmm. So I really want to help people out to see what they can do now and watch out for certain signs to make sure they can get the proper services that they can get sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so, a great resource as well, yeah. what you're providing. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much. 
my You're heart. welcome. <laughs> okay, so one of the questions that someone has was, what are some milestones that a child should um, present itself in the early stages of life? So when they're like from eight months, some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, they're just a little kid. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing anything. But I know that you might have some information and some insight on that. Yes. So basically it's called pre-linguistic development. So it's basically the prerequisites to language. So once that baby comes out of the womb, they're already like sponges intaking everything, language, sounds. So there's kind of like a chart. So we start off with what we want to see in these early milestones. So we have phonation which is basically seen between birth to three months. And that's when you have the baby crying, burping, coughing, sneezing. Then we move up to two to three months and that's when the baby is cooing. So basically making different consonant vowel sound combinations and vowel consonants like ah, e. And they start to produce back, uh, back vowel sounds and velar consonants such as like k, g, or like and also raspberries. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's kind of like when the baby's lips are put together and they start to make sounds. It's kind of like, have you ever heard of oh, raspberries? Yeah, I heard it before. It was on Caillou. It was, I think he called it blueberries. Yes. It's kind of hard to show, to make the sound. I know. But visually, <laughs> you can think of the sound. It's basically their lips going together and it's like they're spitting out like raspberries. Um and then we move forward to four to six months, and that's yeah. the exploration stage. This is where the baby's producing consonant sounds such as the P, the B, and the M, which are also the first sounds that the child starts to produce. Um, and then we have um, con- canonical babbling, which is seven to nine months. And that's where they're producing more sounds and making more like, syllable sounds mama papa dada tata um and then lastly is variegated babbling which is 10 to 12 months and that's where they're using different consonant vowel syllables this is where we're introducing the sounds of h d b m t g s and they're starting to produce more like adult-like intonation and prosody so it sounds more like adult speech sounds Okay. So yeah, that's really good information because even when I obviously as a parent, especially first time parents, et cetera, you just think everything comes naturally. You don't think mm-hmm. about sounds and you just say, Oh, I want you to say dada, no say mama, no say dada. So you're fighting amongst each other, but in reality, that's actually like first languages and first forms of speech for yeah, these kids. Exactly. And um my question to you is so say a parent is like, okay, my child is a year old. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I've ever heard this child say was Baba. Baba, mm-hmm. Baba, Baba. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think a parent should say, okay, maybe I should go look into getting some services or getting someone to come and help out? Honestly, I tell my parents, always trust your gut feeling. If you feel like your child is not developing like a typical child or you feel like they should be doing more, why not and go see if you can get these services? Usually Mm -hmm. the primary care physician, when you take them and you bring up these concerns, my child is not talking, they're already at one year of age, 
they usually write up a referral and mm -hmm. refer you to um, an SLP so you can get an evaluation done. Um, also, you have to look at the age and see what the child is and is not doing. They're not producing words. If they're not vocalizing, I would definitely go and recommend a speech and language evaluation. You know, it doesn't hurt to see where your child is falling in mm -hmm. the aspect of language. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. I'm like, why not get it evaluate, get the child evaluated mm -hmm. um, rather than sitting there and just waiting and seeing and maybe seeing if they end up reaching those milestones. I always say to people, I'm like, it's it's not going to really hurt them if they get evaluated. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to happen to them. If anything, it's a benefit more than a disadvantage. So I, I do agree with you with that one. So what are some like risk factors that you see with um, speech development that may affect the child um, just over your time of experience that you notice? So I've seen that a lot of um, males usually have some type of speech delay. Mm -hmm. um, also, if they are born prematurely, if you have a child that's born premature, having a low birth weight, they usually you know, um, grow to have some type of delay. Um, there's also family history. There's a family history of speech and language um, problems or delay. And then additionally, there are other factors that affect a child's speech. So for example, inadequate stimulation. If you're not talking, if you're not engaging, if you're not playing with that child, there's a lag there. You know, at home, you should always be constantly using language, engaging them in play. Also, if the child has, let's say, an overall delayed general development, global developmental delay, which is deals with cognitive and physical, usually they'll most likely have some type of speech or language delay. Okay, so that's that's really good to know too. Um, I know um, being in the NICU when kids are born prematurely, we always try to get them over to like early starts and mm -hmm. et cetera to follow the child just in case. So that's really good to know that um, that's something that we're doing that helps out the children in the long run. Um, so when it comes to speech, when mm -hmm. you're sitting there and you're evaluating the child, um, what in your head automatically says, okay, this child needs speech and development? Like what's one thing, say the child is at the age of one and I know mm -hmm. they usually have like word counts and et cetera. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, by the time the child's age one, this is how many words they need to say, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What in your head automatically says, okay, this child needs mm -hmm. speech in terms of like word count? So what I like to use and go by, um, it's actually called Brown Stages of Development which looks at syntax. And syntax is basically arrangement of words and phrases to create a well-formed sentence in language. So I look at their age range and I see where they're at. So for example, 12 to 18 months, a child should have about two to six words other than mama or dada. Then if we move up to 18 to 24 months, that child should have about 50 words. And these 50 words are mostly nouns. Then 24 to 30 months, they should have about 200 to 300 words, 30 to 36 months, 450 words, and then 36 and up over a thousand words. And at this point, the child has huge gains of expressive vocabulary, and they should be using three word phrases at this point. 
So if I'm doing an evaluation and I have a child that is 12 months and is only producing baba, then that is a red flag right there. This child definitely needs to start um, speech therapy, focusing on language. Um, if I have a child that is turning three and has five words in their repertoire, that child needs speech therapy because they need that exposure. Yes, at home, there are things that can be done that does help, but also they need that push, you know, of speech therapy, language therapy to increase that expressive vocabulary. Also, there's receptive, which is everything that a child is able to understand. So it's not always only expressive. A child may have difficulty with receptive language, such as following simple one-step commands, identifying common objects. So there's a lot of things that we look at. And obviously we have tests that help us to see where the delay is. Mm -hmm. So. No, that, ma that makes sense. I asked that question because I remember um, when I first started Zayden and trying to get him help, they asked me how many words he said, and I told them two. Mm -hmm. And I laughed because when you look at your child and you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't really feel like he says anything. I think he says maybe two words max. And they're like, well, he needs to have a hundred. I'm sitting there like a hundred. What is my child? I know mm -hmm. I want to say my child's smart, but a hundred words is like a six year old. And I know they're looking at me like I'm completely crazy at this <laughs> point. And then they're like, if you really sit down with your child and count the words that he says, you'll mm -hmm. see that he might say more than two words. Sure enough, he was delayed, but he was saying 20. And when I'm saying he's saying two. Saying two, yeah. So that's why I always ask that question. Like you have to pay attention to see, okay, how many words is he really saying? Right now he's six, he's not saying a thousand words, but when they did the test the other day, they thought that he would only say 50 and he said 280. So like oh, wow. you in order for you to sit there and really like identify um, how many words he's really saying, again, you have to go to speech and language pathologist to kind of do the proper test to see how many words he's truly saying. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, Zayden maybe has a vocabulary of 50. He, mm -hmm. he knows how to put, he's a re in the requester phase. I think that's how you um, say it. Mm -hmm. And he knows how to put sentences together when he needs to request. But that is where I'm like, okay, well, Hey, no, he can say, I want this, I want that. So to me, he's only saying 50 words. But mm -hmm. to them, they're like, no, you have to look at pictures and labels and et cetera. He can yeah. say more than 50. So that's why I asked that question. Um, You mentioned, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned mm -hmm. that there are some activities that parents can do at home for the child that can help them with speech development. And I wanted you to kind of cover about that a little bit to kind of help parents out to understand what they could possibly be doing at home to help that. Yes. Yeah, so the main thing that I tell parents is at home is to use language as much as possible, whether it's sitting down with your child and reading a book and you're constantly labeling different objects and simple actions that are seen in the book. And also throughout the day, summarizing everything that they are doing, exposing them to different activities, taking them outside, going for a walk, taking them to the park, and while they're there, you know, engaging them in language as well. Maybe they're not talking just yet, but you can kind of like script everything that they're doing. Oh, okay, you wanna go up the slide? Now we're gonna go down the slide. Let's go up the stairs. Um, oh, look, there's a bird in the sky, it's flying. So little things like that, 
they might not be talking, but receptively they're taking in everything that you're telling them. Mm -hmm. Um, there's actually a few pages that I follow on Instagram that I thought were pretty resourceful if I could share, um, with you. Go ahead. And I'll also share this on my um, juggling at the juggling at Instagram mm -hmm. afterwards, just in case if people want to go back and look it up. So you okay. can definitely share it. And I also share it um, on the Instagram page of the juggling act. Okay, perfect. So the first one is called Speech Sisters. And it's two sisters that are both SLPs and they're both moms. And then we have speech with a twist, which is um, four SLPs that work together and created their own business. And they focus on sensory play. And, you know, sensory play really enhances learning through hands-on activities. So that's also a good page to follow because it also shows you different activities that you can do at home. So I would definitely recommend those two pages. Perfect, perfect. That's that's nice, the, the sisters with the twist. That's what they're called. Speech sisters, and then the speech other sisters. one, speech with a twist. Speech with it. I just end up combining everything <laughs> together. Made a whole sandwich right there. <laughs> so I definitely um add that to the juggling act page so that okay. people can follow up with that, especially with the sensory play. I know Zayden kind of does better when it's things that are hands-on in some type of form of play. It, mm -hmm. it gets them engaged. It gets them with eye contact. So I know that really does um help a lot. So mm -hmm. um. What are some resources that you can give to parents that you feel like that are helpful? I know you just gave the two Instagram pages. Along, and, um, with, um, along with those two pages, um, there's a website that's actually called mommyspeechtherapy.com. And it focuses on speech. So... These are working on sounds. So basically every sound is listed and under each sound you click on it and it has that sound in initial position, medial position and final position. So if you have a child with articulation issues, um, that is a great resource to practice at home producing sounds. Perfect. So, and then just to clarify for some of the viewers, just in case if they don't know, articulation mm -hmm. issues are more in terms of, um, can you explain it a little bit more? Yeah. So it's an umbrella. So we have mm -hmm. language and then we have speech. Under the umbrella of language, we have receptive language, which is everything a child understands. Then we have expressive language everything a child can communicate. And under that, we also have pragmatic language, which is basically the social aspect of language. And then under speech, we have articulation, we have voice. Um, and speech is geared more towards the way you are producing a specific sound. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes okay. perfect sense. Okay. Okay, perfect. And then, so the next question I have for you, because, you know, everyone always has a story. And for me, I always hear people tell me, well, I didn't get help because I felt like he was going to catch up. Or my family kept on telling me, oh, he's a boy. He has time, et cetera. What mm -hmm. are some things that you hear parents say that surprise you why they didn't start speech therapy sooner? Okay, so one thing 
that I've noticed is the parent telling me, oh, I just wanted to wait and see. And to me, I feel like that is the biggest error you can do because that wait and see method, there's so much time lost that if that child did need services, they just lost a specific amount of time mm -hmm. where they could have been getting that early intervention. They could, have been, they could have been getting that speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, whatever was needed, you know, to lead them to success. So that is one thing that I've heard plenty of parents tell me is that, oh, we just wanted to wait and see, didn't want to take them just yet. Um, you know, I didn't want them to have a label if it wasn't necessary. That label like, thing bothers me so yes. much. I'm like, okay, what? who cares? Who cares? Like, exactly. And you're going to go get them help. <laughs> exactly. And to me, it's like, okay, let's say they do get a label. Do you understand that once, let's say the child does have a label, they're now going to receive every service that is needed to set them up for success. Yep. So that is something that it bothers me too when they tell me the wait and see method and the whole thing avoiding a label is I feel like they're so geared towards, oh, I don't want my child to have this label or to be diagnosed with this because I guess I feel like it's going to hinder them or maybe not have them live a normal life. But I feel like it's the opposite. They're going to get everything they need, you know, to facilitate them in the future. It's true. It's very true. And like, I know a lot of people always tell me, man, mom, you started Zayden so young. I'm like, I felt like I was fighting tooth and nail and I started him late. And you guys just keep yeah. on telling me he started mm -hmm. so young. He started so young. And so do you see a lot of clients coming in at an older age? Because you met Zayden when he was what? Two and a mm -hmm. half, almost three. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. About two and a half. I want to say because I moved when he was three and a half. So it couldn't be any time after that. I think that. it was about two and a half. I was still living down there. Mm -hmm. So do you see a lot of older kids? I do get a few older kids. And I'm not going to lie. It is harder to kind of start them off from scratch because they're already at an age where it's like, everything like their learned behaviors and everything is kind of like instilled in them mm -hmm. for so long it makes it a little difficult but then again i have babies coming in and i'm like this is great like you know starting them off young um providing them the services that they need young and i feel like those children that start young end up succeeding in the future um maybe even going into a mainstream classroom. And yeah. um, I don't know, I just, I feel like the earlier you start, despite as a parent, how you may feel like afraid mm -hmm. to, you know, take your child in and to possibly give them a label, I feel like in the end, you're, you're, ben you're benefiting your child. Mm-hmm, and it's true, like, um... I forgot who it was. Again, I don't I don't bring up names on this podcast because I'm not mm -hmm. here to bash anybody. But I had one in particular provider. She was already upset at me because I was kind of like fighting tooth and nail. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. you know, when mama bear claws come out, they come out and I'm (laughs) as professional as they can be when I'm talking. And I, and I told her, I'm like, listen, I do not care about a label. She kept on saying, oh, well, then your child's going to get a label and it's going to take you forever to take it off of him. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I do not care about a label. Mm -hmm. I care that my child gets services that he needs and I know that he needs it. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to parents and labels and etc i told her one day i was like listen i'm not trying to keep up with the joneses and if you don't know what that is viewers Mm -hmm. it's pretty much trying to make this facade for individuals out outside of your life Mm -hmm. to make it look like you have this perfect upkept life and etc i i am not trying to keep up with the joneses i promise i told her that i'm like i do not care what other people outside of my own life think about what's going on with my child. All I care is that my child is getting the things that he needs. And she was just yeah. like, ah, fine, I'll just write you this, fine. And I mentioned that in the first episode, like when your mama gut tells you that you need to do something, mm-hmm. I've said 10 out of 10 times when I haven't listened to my mama gut, I was wrong. So I always say parent, well, parent gut, I know some fathers out there have the gut too. I'm not discrediting father's gut, but because I'm a mom, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say mama gut. Um, So listen to that mom's gut. So with that being said, do you have any advice to give parents with children with disabilities, um, developmental delay or disabilities with speech? Mm -hmm. Definitely. For parents out there, I would say start early intervention services as soon as possible if your child needs it. You know, don't wait on that wait and see method. It doesn't hurt to be one step ahead of the game. Um, And to also be patient and involved. Collaborate with the professionals that are working with your child, whether it's speech, OT, PT, ABA therapists. And also let go of expectation because every child is different and they're going to reach their goals at their own pace. That's so perfect. Um, Do you have any closing statements to say, Melina? I thank you so much for coming in today. I always try to keep my podcast under 25 minutes. So it's something like a drive to work and et cetera. And we yeah. already passed the 25 I mean, I could minutes, talk here for like an hour. I know, but... me too. That's how I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, we're already past the 25 minutes. But yeah. I always try, viewers, I know you guys said, oh, why isn't your podcast longer? Honestly, when I listen to podcasts sometimes when they're an hour long, I never go back to that episode. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm so busy and I have so much going on. This podcast is very informative and I like to keep it straight to the point and so that you can mm-hmm. get your information and use it. I'm going to start posting more stuff on the juggling act Instagram page and try to see if I can form some type of um, more information on that page so that you guys can get more information constantly. But the podcasts are usually on the shorter end so that on your drive to work, on your drive back from work, you know, with traffic and everything, especially if you live in South Florida, mm-hmm. um, you're you're going to be in traffic for an hour. So <laughs> yeah. with that, that being said, do you have any closing statements, Melina? I do have a quote that I wanted to end this episode with. Um, so I saw this quote and I really liked it. It says, at the end of the day, the most overwhelming key to a child's success is the positive involvement of parents. And that is said by Jane D. Hall. And I feel, yes, right? (laughs) I feel that that, um, there is never 
too, like it's never, there's never too much that a parent can be involved in. And I feel like parent involvement is key to a child's success. That's 100% true. I so agree. And yes. again, parents, I you know, most of us that are, are involved, we always say that we're not doing enough. Trust me, mm -hmm. if you're saying you're not doing enough, you're doing a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's always try to be involved in these kids' life. Like, really try. I know there's a lot going on in everyone's life right now, but that quote is like perfection. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Melina, again, for coming in today. Thank and you I'm hoping me. to do more interviews in the near future with you to kind of give people more insight of anything that's more detailed. I know the viewers come on my Instagram page and ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I get a lot of questions, I'll definitely be shooting them your way. Oh, shout out your Instagram page too, um, so that they can contact you also. Oh, yes. Okay. So my, I have a personal Instagram, which is Melina underscore Angelina. Um, I'm also planning on creating an Instagram page for my private business, the Speechy Center, but I do not have that set up as of yet. But when I do, I will be posting the information on my personal Instagram first. And of course, I'll be posting it on my Instagram too at The Juggling Act. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.